So one of the things that you have to do, if you're gonna have growth in your life, if you're gonna continue to grow in your life, is you're gonna have to deal with the struggles in your life, right? Problems, difficulties, I mean, all these things that come that they're not a part of your plans. No one plans struggles and difficulties, do they? Is there anybody here that you do? I mean, for yourself. You plan them for other people, but you don't plan them for yourself, do you? No. And do you prepare for them? Are you ready for them when they come? Sometimes you are. Sometimes through life you have learned to be prepared, but sometimes it's struggle uh, to deal with those things. And one of the things that um, if you don't deal with struggles, then you're going to have a hard time with is, does my life have meaning? Because if you want a meaningful life, we all do, I want my life to matter, um, then all of a sudden when you run into struggles and difficulties, that, that tends to, if you haven't figured out how to, how to see those or deal with those, that has a tendency to make you think, oops, I lost my meaning, or I lost, my life doesn't matter anymore because my life is difficult, and, and people don't want a difficult life. Uh, they want a life that seems to always have direction, and maybe that seems to be easy at times. Nothing wrong with that. We all, we all you know, have that idea, but one of the things you have to sort of figure out is, okay, how am I gonna see those struggles and those difficulties? I'm not saying that they're all good, they're not, but there is a purpose, I did put this in your outline, they have a purpose. Um, if you look in the Bible, uh, God clearly talks about that your struggles and your difficulties and the things that you go through, even the temptations that you face, they really do uh, have a purpose in them. And I put in here in your outline, if you wanna kinda look at that, struggles are necessary for growth, and here's four things. First of all, they're necessary to growth because they bring clarity, they clarify. In your struggles, in your difficulties, you've gotta decide what am I gonna do, where am I headed, and it's not just because it's easy or that's the only path or that's the most profitable path. Sometimes you, you have to say, you know, it's gonna be hard, but I'm gonna go after that anyway. You've been watching, I guess we have, do we have football games with the NFL this weekend? We do, don't we? I don't see any people wearing colors or names and all that, so I'm, I'm not sure even who's, uh, who's playing right now, but you know, every football player, every coach, every team, they have to prepare for the struggles. And if they don't prepare for the struggles, there's no chance that they're gonna be able to win because then those struggles and difficulties will shut them down or will take away the, the strength and the, the motivation and all that they need to push forward. That's a part of life, of course it is. So they bring clarity. Second thing is your struggles will do this. They will deepen your life. They'll deepen your life. In other words, <coughs> our lives are like plants. So there's some roots to our lives that kind of are anchored in something so that when the struggles come, you know, that, that we stand up to them or we're able to hold up to them. And the, the deeper and the stronger the roots of your life, the more able you are to go through those things. And it makes you feel more secure. Um, it does help clarify your life because you know that you're anchored. Here's the, here's the thing though, I, I thought about, this is not in your outline, you might wanna write this in if, if you want to. So here, here's the struggle with the roots of your life. Um, why do the roots grow deeper? And I, put, I put in your, uh, didn't put in your outline, but I, I thought about this. Do the roots grow deeper because of the struggles? Or do your roots grow deeper so that 
you can go through the struggles. What do you think? How many people, I think that the roots in my life will grow deeper because of all my struggles. How many people feel that way? Okay, how many people say, I think that the roots in my life grow deeper so that I can go through struggles? Anybody? Okay, how many people don't care? You just don't want those things. <laughs> yes, exactly, that's it. I, I like it because whenever you look at uh, people who are trying to figure out life and figure out the world and how the world came about and why things change and all that, this is always one of the debates you know, that they go through. Is this happened? Is this a part of our world now because of, because this happened, these are the things, or, or is this the way we are? Is this how things have shaped up so that, you know, we can move forward? It's, it's two different things. One's looking back, one's looking forward, right? On this property, I know you don't know this, but there are pine trees um, toward 1488 on this property. In fact, they're pretty amazing. I was with some guys that do trees one time and they were sitting there talking. We were actually looking at the land early on, way back, and uh, they said, you know why all these pine trees are here? I'm like, I, you know, I know you're gonna give me some scientific reason or whatever, because this is what you do. This is what you study. This is what you work on. All of these pine trees are in this area because there is a vein of iron ore that goes through this, this part of your property that's not uncommon out here. And the pine trees love the iron ore. So they're giving me a reason for it. The pine trees get there because they can drop their roots in the iron ore and they like it and so they grow. And sure enough, the people that owned the property before who were a part of the church, um, they had made a pad in the back it's near the ponds, if you go that direction. They were gonna build a house and they dug uh, in and they pulled up the iron ore out of the land and they built the pad out of iron ore. And I always thought that they planted pine trees on it because I mean, there are hundreds of pine trees on that pad that they never built and they, they sprouted up immediately and they grew and I said, man, that was, did y'all do that so it wouldn't erode? And they were like, what are you talking about? Well, all those hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pine trees that you planted on the, on the pad, did you do it so it wouldn't erode? Said, we didn't plant anything. And that's when these guys told me, yeah, that's because the seeds from the pine trees, they love it. As soon as they hit, they take over, they push everything else out. <laughs> Nothing else is gonna make it but all those pine trees that grow up. It's amazing, isn't it? So why? Why do we go through struggles? What do the struggles do in our lives? They, they deepen us. They, they cause us to have to form roots in life, to have to find a way to stand up to our struggles, to our difficulties. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing because there are more struggles to come in your life, more difficulties. And if you have not prepared, then you won't hold up uh, during that time. I got two more in there. I thought, thought I'd throw in also in your outline. They develop discernment. In other words, an ability to make some decisions, an ability to make some choices in life. I know the, uh, one of the, the men that, that mentored me early on, this is one of the things he would always say to uh, the young guys that, that uh, he helped mentor. He said, you need to pray more than anything else. You need to pray that God would give you discernment. And I share that not only with someone trying to lead something or do, I share it with parents, I share it because discernment is key for your life. And struggles, the things that you go through, 
will help you with discernment because you'll make some choices. I'm going in this direction. Later you realize, boy, that was a really dumb idea. Can I say that in church? Yeah, I say, really dumb idea for me to go after that. And then sometimes you'll go through some really hard things and you, you, won't, you, you don't want to go through those things, but as you go through them, you realize how much they helped you, and so you discern some things that you never were able to before. And then the last thing, number four in here, they will guard the meaning, which is what we talked about. They will help guard the meaning of your life, the struggles that you go through. They will help guard the meaning of your life. There's a, in the um, first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, um, early on, they all tell the story of Jesus when he first started his ministry. Jesus is about 30 years old. Um, we learn this in Luke's gospel uh, also when he starts. And um, uh, Jesus, you know, did his work for three years. So remember, he's 30 years old when he starts. Let me say it again. He's 30 years old when he starts. He's not 15, he's not 12. He's, there's a period of time where Jesus just was here. He's learning. Uh, the, God is watching after him. You know, as he grows up, I mean, the scriptures actually say this, he increased in knowledge and wisdom before men and before God also. And at 30 years old, Jesus starts the work that he is going to do. And one of the things that is recorded by all except John's gospel is this story of where Jesus ends up. So here's what it says. This is in Luke chapter four. Uh, you could go to Matthew chapter four and uh, uh, you find the same story and in Mark also. This is what it says in verse number one. Then Jesus, say this part with me, full of the Holy Spirit. So you didn't say that. So say this with me. Then Jesus what? Now you say, well, wait a minute. What? That's kind of strange. I thought the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all God. So wait a minute, you're saying so Jesus is full of God, but he is God. Yeah, it's, I know it's strange, and it, it's a hard thing for us to kind of grasp and understand. But Jesus had, been, uh, had gone to John, and uh, John had baptized him, and John says, you know, I saw the Holy Spirit descend like a dove on him. So it, it's, it's a place that Jesus is. Um, I think, and I think this will help you with understanding what does it mean to be filled or to be full of the Holy Spirit. It means that Jesus was being led by the Holy Spirit. It means that that's where he was looking for his strength, his power, and his direction, even though he's God, yes. And I think that he does it so that you and I would understand that we can do the same thing. The Holy Spirit will lead us. He will guide us. I, I would ask you this. The last time you were in a struggle, you are in a difficulty, when's the last time you just prayed and you said, Lord, would you help me? I don't know what to do with this. I, I don't know how to, to manage my way through it, to work my way through it. When was the last time that you looked to the Father and you prayed, and it is the Holy Spirit who comes to lead and guide us that, that Jesus sent for that purpose. So Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. He returns to the Jordan, or he returns from the Jordan River because his baptism was in the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit into, oh, wait a minute, where was he led? Anybody living in the wilderness? <laughs> feel like it sometimes, don't you? You feel like, this is not where I wanted to be. And you know what makes the wilderness so difficult? Because you know everybody's not living here. So why am I here? Is this God punishing me somehow? Have I made a, a wrong choice? Have I made a bad decision? Did, did Jesus make a bad decision going into the wilderness? See, he, he's clear. 
No, this is exactly where God wanted him, where God led him. He is led into the wilderness, so there must be a reason for it. There must, must be a, a point for him um, going in here. He's led into the wilderness where, and then it gets worse, where he was, say this with me, where he's what? Tempted by the devil for 40 days. Wait a minute, so God leads his own son into the wilderness so that he can be tempted. Tempted would mean tempted to do evil, tempted to go against God. Why would God lead him into the wilderness to be tempted? Because he's gotta go through struggles, just like you and I do. In fact, one of the things that I, this is my opinion, and uh, so it can certainly be uh, debated and it may not be someone else's opinion, I, I think Jesus had to go through all of these struggles. Part of that is to show you that it could be done. You could get through these. You could serve. No one else has ever done it. We always fall eventually to our struggles and temptations. All, all of us have sin in our life. So he had to go through it to show that it could be done, and it designates him, it points him to the one that we would look to when we are tempted and we are struggling, I struggle with, I, oh my, I can't get through those things. He can. He, in fact, his temptations are so much more difficult than mine. One of the reasons is he's been fasting all through those temptations for 40 days. I, I, I want to ask you to raise your hand now, but I wonder, anybody here ever fasted for 40 days? I have fasted uh, only once or twice uh, because I wanted to. <laughs> Most of the time, it was not my choice. You know, sometimes you just end up in struggles and hard things, and they're so difficult that all of a sudden you just don't want to eat. You ever been there? I have. And, and it, I, I didn't do it because I thought, well, it's a really good spiritual thing for me to do. I did it because I was desperate. I didn't have any other direction or anything that I uh, thought I could do, so I was just really, really in a difficult situation. One of them was my daughter, she went off to um, a military academy. And uh, you know, it was one of those things that, uh, it was her choice, but you know, we had a lot of responsibility for her and over her life. And uh, once we took her there and uh, dropped her off, I still remember at the end of the uh, first day, we got a chance to see her at the end of the first day, she would not even look at me. Her eyes are down, she's only about, she's a little under five feet tall. She's in this oversized little white navy outfit. It droops down over her hands. It's baggy, it's rolled up because they don't give her one to fit. They intentionally don't. And, and she's had the hardest day. She missed a meal because they didn't have time for them to go and they intentionally didn't. And there's pe there are people yelling at her the entire day. And I'm supposed to have this wonderful, you know, go hug your daughter. No, she's like this. Tears are rolling down her eyes. And as Joni and I walk off, we got to see her for 20 minutes. Uh, at the end of her day, and that was it. And then they call her back in, everybody snaps back in line and they march off. And my, my wife says, are we doing the right thing? I said, oh, don't ask me that question right now. Cause, <laughs> right, have you ever been that way? I'm dying. Let me go ahead and tell you this, cause my wife would say the same thing. What's the most important relationship in your life? You know, sometimes, a lot of times I would say my wife, but the truth is, uh, my wife would choose my kids over me if it really came down to it. I'm glad she would. I think it's the right decision because your kids need you more than your mate needs you. And I have people in marriage all the time ask me this, are the kids enough 
to hold the marriage together? Should I do it just because of the kids? My answer is absolutely. Of course you should. They have no other choice. They are completely reliant on your choice. You should understand that and do the best you can for them. So I am dying. My wife is dying. When we left, you go by the guard house, there are Marines standing there. They have sidearms and they have shotguns over their shoulder as they stand there. And I said to a young Marine, I said, if you didn't have that gun, I'd be leaving here with my daughter. And he said, thank you, sir. And then you just let me, you know, because they... They're used to this, right? They're, but I am struggling. I am struggling. I'm up at four in the morning. That's East Coast time. And I'm gone for several hours. And my wife said, what were you doing? I said, I was just walking around, looking over the walls, trying to find a vantage point over a hill. Why? I don't know. Maybe I could steal her, escape with her, you know. Why? I, because I'm struggling. I don't know, what to, have I done the right thing? Is she gonna survive this? How do you, have you ever felt that way with your kids? Have you ever felt that way with other issues in your life? Sure. And sometimes food is the last thing that you want. So not often, but food is the last thing you know that you want. Jesus, 40 days before that, he is led there and plans this to be this struggling and this weak. Why? I think it's for you and I so that we would understand that whatever we go through, listen, he's been there and uh, he can handle this. So then it goes on to say this, says Jesus ate nothing at all at that time. He became very hungry, well yeah. And here it goes, verse three, the devil said to him. Now I like the challenge, I mean, this is, this is a smart challenge where, where the devil is talking to Jesus, he's, he's tempting him, he's, he's, he's working him because he has a totally different agenda than God has uh, in life. And he says this, if you are the what? Boy, hey, if you're special, <laughs> if, if, if God cares about you, right? Because you're one of his kids. You are his kids, matter of fact. You're the only one of his kids. If, if you're that special, if you are the son of God, so he's working on him, he says, change this stone into a loaf of bread, wow. I mean, listen, you, you hadn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. Um, would anybody hold it against you? If you had the power, the ability to just look at the bull rock, you know, in your yard and say, oh, bread, you know, because it's a whole lot easier than going to the store and a whole lot cheaper, you know, so do you, you could just turn it into a hot loaf of, of bread. Do you think anybody would hold that against you? Of course not. It's your need, you know, your physical need. You got to eat. Hungry. No one can go without eating. Jesus, as a human being in this world, he could not go without eating also. But, but Jesus had a different agenda. And uh, even in this struggle, in this great weakness, Jesus was prepared uh, for it. This is what he says to him, verse number four. He, Jesus responds to him, no. The scriptures say, say this part with me. People do not live by there's, there's more to life than just whether or not you get what you need to eat. You have to eat to be able to live, no doubt about it, but there's more to life than just what you eat. I don't know if you remember the story, Jesus, he's going through Samaria, and it's pretty interesting because he encounters a woman there 
Um, she's called the woman at the well. And after he gets through this, his disciples had gone off to see if they could find food, bring back something to eat. They came back, they brought back food, and Jesus would not eat. And they were like, what is going on? <laughs> Did someone else bring him food while we were gone? I, we don't understand. And Jesus actually is a really, really important um, understanding of who Jesus is in this story too. Jesus says to them, listen, I have food that you don't understand, you don't know about, okay? My food is to do the, do you know what it was, the food? My, to do the what? The will of God, the will of my Father. That was my food. That was his strength, that was his motivation, that was his primary concern was why did God give him life? Why was he here? Why was he on the earth? Even though he was God, he was also operating as a man for us so that we would understand you know, just how powerful he was, even as a human being struggling through the, the things of this life. So Jesus makes it, makes it clear. There's something that empowers me, that motivates me, that moves me. He still had to eat, but there was something more important than just that physical need in his life. Then it says in verse number five, then the devil took him up and he revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world on a, in a moment of time. So he's up at a high point and on a mountain, maybe on the temp, top of the temple. And he says, this is what the devil says to him. I will give you these kingdoms and authority over them because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give them all to you if, condition, right? If you do what? You worship me if you will worship me. But Jesus, once again, he actually goes to the Old Testament. These are, these, all three of his responses uh, come from the uh, book of Deuteronomy. That's the last book in, the, uh, in the, uh, the books of the law, Moses' law, the first five books of the Old Testament. And once again, he goes there and he pulls from it. He knew it and he pulls from it and he says this, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only who? Him. That's, that's what it teaches us. That's the most important thing. See, Satan was saying uh, to him, listen, I own the kingdoms. Why would you go through all this struggle that you're going to face? Why would you go through the pain that you're about to face? Why would you go through the humiliation that you're about to go through and, and, and the just absolute mockery of being nailed? Why would you go through all this? You can get it easier. <laughs> Just bow down to me. I'll give it to you. I want you to think about that. Because that's one of the things that, that uh, you know, we struggle with in life and with the world. In fact, I, I, I used to teach my kids when they were growing up, I, I would say, if the world has what you want, then the world will own you. Or the world will tell you how to live, whatever. But if God has what you want, Guess who will own you? Sure. And it's a decision that you have to, to make. Who you serve uh, is, is absolutely dependent on who you think has the things that you want or the things that, that are important to you, the things that will make your life meaningful. And I know most of us would say, well, if I had everything, if I had control of my life would be meaningful. Okay, hang on. Because even though the enemy says he has those things, does he have those things? Does he ultimately own those things? No, we know he doesn't. 
We know that God ultimately, God will win the battle. He will win the struggle. And you are banking on that when you make choices in life. You're deciding who you think owns it, who you think has it, even though in present days you look around, you may say, I don't know, it sure didn't seem like it to me, right? But you're making a decision to who you're betting the farm on. And Jesus is making it clear. No, it's him. He's the one. You know, when we started this, we talked about how you have to align yourself with God, right? We use the Lord's Prayer to talk about how Jesus taught his disciples to who to align their life with. How does the Lord's Prayer go again? Somebody was reminding me in the, uh, out before we started the service. Our Father who art in, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth just as it, see, part of saying on earth, just as in heaven, is what you're saying is, I'm going to live here the way I think things operate there because I believe that that will happen, that, that God will ultimately win. So I'm aligning myself now with Him. Give us this day our daily bread because He knows our struggles, He knows what we go through. Uh, he supplies for us, He gives to us. Give us this day our daily bread. Not everything I want, but give me the things that I need. And forgive us our debts, trespasses, our sins. We debated that again outside. Uh, just as, as we forgive our debtors, those who trespass against us, those who sin. Yeah, so we will imitate you. We will do the things that you do. Forgive us as, as we learn to forgive also. Lead us not to temptation. Um, I would say, you know, God does not lead us into temptation, but then you would go to this passage and say, oh, hang on. <laughs> there are times when he does as a test of our lives, as a way of us recognizing who it is that we, we serve, but God does not want us to yield to temptation. He says, but deliver us from evil. Yeah, going against God. It would be a big mistake for us. It would be an evil thing um, in God's eyes also. So here's what he says in verse number nine. Third temptation, the devil took him to Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. And he said to him, uh, you're the, if you're the son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect and guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands. Pretty supernatural, right? Hold you up with their hands. So you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Yeah, and, and even Satan, just to let you know, knows the scriptures, this is out of the Psalms, and he is quoting to Jesus, in this case, something out of the Old Testament Psalms. But Jesus answers again, with again, um, from the book of Deuteronomy, he says this, yeah, but the scriptures say this, you must not do what? Test the Lord your God. Yeah, you can't test God. And that's the idea of testing God, is saying, God, I know you love me, I know you care for me, I know you've given me promises, so I know you won't let anything happen to me, so I'm gonna hold my breath until you give me what I want, right? You don't put God to the test. You probably won't be happy with the results because God is a pretty good parent. Uh, just to let you know, you know we, we tried that with my mom when I was a kid. I just, you know, in the grocery store, uh, I want this and some toy and she wouldn't get it for us, so I decided I'd hold my breath and you know, some, there was someone coming by who was pretty concerned because this you know, little red-headed boy is turning blue and my mom was like, yeah, just, it'll pass. You know, because so she knew, you know. Okay, he can try that. It's just not going to work. You're not going to manipulate me to give you what, you what you want. It doesn't work that way. And you can't work 
God that way either. God already wants the very best, the very best for his kids. He does. He wants the very best for them. Because of that, God doesn't settle for something that is less for his kids. Something that may seem good at the moment, they may want at the moment, but long term, it would not be good for them. And God is willing to do things with us, thank goodness, right? He's willing to do things with us that might upset us at first. We might get mad at God. We may say, I don't understand why you did this. But he knows it's the very best thing for us. That's part of our faith and our trust in God um, that he calls us to. And then it says this. I, I think this is um, such an important verse. The very uh, next verse, 13, when it says the devil, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he'd gone through this period for 40 days. It says he left him until the what? That means it's not over yet. <laughs> the next opportunity, right, a better time. Okay, it did not work this time, but you know, he may think, oh, but he's still, there's a human part of who he is, and there's still in humans, there is this weakness where they will give in, and they can be tricked, and they can be deceived, and I can get him to do what I want him to do. I guess that's one of the debates that you know theologians always uh, go through. Is it possible that the devil could have thwarted God's plans during this time? I'm not gonna answer. I'm gonna let you struggle with that one because, uh, but he's definitely trying to, isn't he? He definitely thinks if I can get him to betray the father, betray the meaning of his life, then I can win this battle. So I'm not saying that your life and the meaning of your life, you know, any sin that you've ever committed has thwarted God's plans. It hasn't. It was built upon Jesus himself who came in flesh and blood so that we would understand, so that we could relate, and so that we would realize that what he is going through is what rescues us, it's what saves us, but he also does it um, so that we would have an example of, so this is what you should emulate. Here's how you should live, and this is where you should find your strength. You should go to him when you're struggling, when you're having difficulties, because he will keep you growing, he will keep you going, he, he will give you the understanding you need, and he'll give you the strength to get through those things uh, when you're struggling with them. So I did put on your back of your outline, why should Jesus' struggles matter to me, because I know a lot of people, they don't, but if you are a believer, if you're a follower of Jesus, you would say, yeah, they matter to me more than anything else. I just put four things in your outline. Let me go through them real quick. Jesus knows our struggles. He understands them. Uh, we were made in God's image, but Jesus takes on our humanity. That's when he came, that's what he did. You can go to Philippians chapter two, and Paul writes this wonderful chapter about Jesus taking on our humanity, what it cost him, uh, what it made him look like in the eyes of the world, and yet at the same time, what it actually revealed about who Jesus uh, really was. Second thing is this, Jesus, he takes on our weaknesses and he takes on our sin for the, for the purpose of atoning us, for atonement so that we would be made righteous in God's eyes. Something has to be done with my weakness and my sin. Jesus actually takes it upon himself. Even though I still struggle with it today, I still know he has taken it upon himself. The day is coming when I will be completely freed 
from that. It's not there yet, but right now I know that he has done it and I know that he is still doing it. That changes me, changes how I live. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter two, verse 17 says this. Therefore, it was necessary for him, meaning Jesus, to be made in every respect like who? Us, yeah. It was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be merciful and faith, a faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people, yes, since he himself has gone through suffering and testing he is able to help us when we are being what? Yeah, when we're going through struggles, when we're being tested. We've got to decide. He's the one that helps us through those things. Even when it's really hard to make the right decision or do the right things, you turn to him, you look to him. And God is the one who helps us through all of those things. You know, I told you about that, that time in my life. So for about a year, <clears throat> the first year, uh, uh, after that, uh, I was up here. We'd not built anything on this property uh, yet. Maybe we were building the, the youth building, and I would walk. There was a dirt road on this property, and every morning, about 5 in the morning, in the dark, you could find me up here walking that road and praying for about an hour. And what I was doing is I'm talking to God because I'm like, I'm not sure I like this. <laughs> I'm not sure I can get through this. Anybody relate? I, I'm not sure that I can do the things that I'm supposed to do. What if, and I'm going through all the struggles and all the what ifs because it's my child. You know, I'm dying for my child. And I will do things like this. If you've done this, I will say, God, listen, do whatever you need to do, whatever you want to do to me. Just, you know, treat me, just take me through everything you want me to go through. But I've learned enough where, just to let you know, I would pray this part also, but I would say something like, and you know I don't know what I'm talking about. Be nice, be kind, you know, be merciful because I'm saying something as if I have something, you know, I can get through it or whatever, and you know I'm not that good. I'm really weak. So help me even as I pray something like that. Yeah, he knows. He watched his son go through it for a reason, for a purpose. Like any parent, he hurt for his own son, the struggles that his own son uh, went through. Number three, um, Jesus also, in doing this, he gives us a pattern. It's a path that we can follow in life so that we would find the strength and we would move forward as we go through those same struggles. Here's what it, it says in Galatians uh, chapter number seven. It says, do not be, I like this, do not be fooled. You know who fools us, who tricks us, who deceives us? Yeah, it's the devil himself. He says, do not be fooled. You cannot cheat God. People harvest only what they, here we go, only what they what? So that there's a reason you have to go through the things that you go through and you have to do the things that you, he's teaching you to do because you can't cheat God. You only get to harvest what you plant in life. If they plant to satisfy their sinful selves, what they want, how they want to do it, right? He says, then their sinful selves will bring them what? Ruin. Yeah, eventually it will bring them ruin. But if they plant to please the Spirit, God's Spirit who leads us and who guides us, if they plant to please the Spirit, they will receive eternal life. And I told you last week, this is not a length of life. This is referring to a quality of life. 
they, they inherit a different kind of life than from the Spirit uh, himself. Number four, Jesus went through struggles too. He understood he is our best source of strength. And this is what it goes on to say in verse number nine of Galatians. We must not become tired of doing good. We will receive our harvest of eternal life at the right time if we do not give up. When we have the opportunity to help anyone, we should do it. But we should give special attention to those who are the family of believers. Now, this, what this is not saying is, I know people worry about this, but I quit. I gave up. And therefore, I've blown the whole thing. That's not what he's actually saying. He's just saying it doesn't make any sense to quit. It doesn't make any sense to give up. When you understand who gave you life and what he went through to give you life, it doesn't make any sense to give up. When you, when you do, when you fail, and, uh, and I've failed many times, I still do, you still look back to him and you say to him what you should always say, I am so, I blew it again. I did it again. I know this tendency is there in me. Would you help me? Would you give me strength to continue and to, to move forward, knowing that there is a day, there is a day when, when God will finish the work, right? That he, that he began in us. Paul talks about this in Romans. I'm confident of this because of who Jesus is. That, he is going, that God is going to finish the work in you that, that he started. So you keep moving on. Kind of like when you have kids. And your kids, you know, as they're growing up, they do the wrong thing. And, um, you know, even when they do the wrong thing, you correct them. But you don't give up on them. You realize they still have things to learn. They'll still move forward. You're still going to be tolerant with them to an extent. You're still going to push them in the right direction and try to guide them in the right direction, knowing that the day is gonna come when they will become adults and even the day that will come when they will be the uh, parents and will have the same love for and desire for their kids. And, and uh, so I have grandkids on both sides of my kids. And uh, so I have grandkids and I love, I love the fact that they're the parents now. I really do. And part of it is I will say, now you get to know what I went through and all that, you know, so. And I will tell you this, if you're, if you're a parent and you're like, ah, oh, my kids never appreciate that, it's not over yet. <laughs> There's still a day coming. And especially in the day when they have kids and man, their heart jumps out of their chest for their kids also, which is exactly what happens. And, and they will come back to you. And my wife has, loves this because, you know, I think probably, Moms feel this more than even dads do. She loves this because both of her kids have come back at times and go, Mom, you know what? I so appreciate what you did. <laughs> because, and they're, in saying it, they're saying, and I know I didn't show it when I was a kid. No, you didn't, yeah, because that's just the way it works. That's just the way it works. But one day you realize how hard it is. And you realize what love it takes, what strength it takes, what self-denial it takes at times. And all of that, all of that is a part of God building roots in your life, deep roots in your life that can hold up, that can sustain the growth of your life. I remember there was a guy that uh, in Dallas um, wrote an article. He talked about when he waters his yard, you may have this same idea. 
He says, I water my yard a long time. So the, the water soaks way down into the ground. It's part of that theory of how it works. You know, and that way the grass will grow deep, deep roots. Except I, I took a lot of stuff in college about plants and everything. And, and I was, I'm kind of the bad guy sometimes. I said, well, you know, grass only grows about three or four inches of roots. No matter how much you water it. That's it. It only grows about that far. Because that's, that's the limit of it. God knows your limits. He knows that you know, this, is, this is who you are, and this is the limit of who you are, and yet God still cares for us and gives us the things we need on a daily basis to keep going, to not give up, to not quit. An encouragement, maybe it's you know, your small group, maybe it's in a place like this, maybe it's because you're in a, a, a group of men or a group, group of women and you are encouraging one another, praying for one another, and remembering how faithful God is. But God does not quit. God does not give up, even when you face struggles. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. You know us. I mean, the truth is, you know us better than we know ourselves. You, you see things about us that we don't even see about our own lives. And you care for us. You give us what we need um, so that we can continue to grow through the different stages of life. And the truth is, um, as we go through those stages, as we get older, we learn things that we could never have learned before. We thank you that, that Jesus, he came to this world for us. He went through the same type of life that we go through because he knew we would need to see his strength and where he turned. And Lord, we just thank you that he would turn to you, that there was a oneness between you, Father, you, Jesus, and you, Holy Spirit, a oneness, even though you took on different roles at times. So Lord, we just thank you that you have, through your son, Jesus, and through the Holy Spirit, you, you're pulling us in to that same oneness that we so desperately need for our strength. If you're here and you've never opened up your heart, opened up your life to Jesus Christ, the good news is he's still changing people's lives. He's still changing the world itself when people recognize him and understand who he is. And his plans will go on and his plans will finish the way he says they will finish because of who he is. If you put your hope and your trust in him, You've placed your life in a sure, sure situation, a sure spot. You can say, Lord Jesus, come live in my heart. Lead me, guide me, forgive me my sins because I constantly fail. Teach me a new way of life. Fill me with a new spirit, your spirit, to lead me and to guide me. In Jesus' name I pray.